Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose, and insidious in method. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, and especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. The tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices to be found only in the minds of men. The military-industrial complex not only controls our government, but they control our culture. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. You don't connect the dots. It's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. They do not fulfill their promise. They never will. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. It was learned that the aliens had men and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. You can deny all the things I've seen, all the things I've discovered, but not for much longer, because too many others know what's happening out there. And no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. It's about time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth.
You're listening to the Secret Teachings radio broadcast right here on the Fringe FM. And I'm your host, Ryan Gable. Thank you for tuning in this evening, this morning, tonight, wherever you might be, from the United States to Mexico to the United Kingdom to Australia to Japan. The Secret Teachings broadcasting worldwide. If you'd like to contact the show, you can do that by emailing us at rdgable at yahoo.com. That's r-d-g-a-b-l-e at yahoo.com. Social media, facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings. You can also find my personal Facebook page, Ryan Gable. And the website is www.thesecretteachings.info. Tonight, I want to share with you a number of different storylines. You watch a television show, you've got your A storyline and your B storyline that goes back and forth to keep you interested, to keep you paying attention. And most of the time, those two storylines come together at the end. Sometimes there's a third storyline, maybe even a fourth storyline depending on what kind of show it is. Tonight, there are several storylines. One of them is kind of tailor-made for a certain kind of listener who wants to know and wants to get an idea of how to better research and analyze and investigate things for themselves by using the information that they have access to. could be mainstream could be alternative, could be independent, but just absorbing information and filtering it through intuition and through memory and through documentation and things of this nature. So that's going to be part of tonight's broadcast. I'm going to show you links, documents, books, and how I kind of put a show together. But that's not the main topic. That's just kind of a third or fourth storyline to show you how I put things together so that you can better investigate things for yourself because you need, as a listener, the tools to determine if what I'm telling you, you know, let alone any other broadcast you listen to or any other source of information, whether they're telling you something accurate or something, at the very least, that is well-controlled speculation, if it is well-documented, etc. The other storyline tonight is something we've been covering since the beginning of this year, 2020, January 2020. And we told you back in January, around that time, towards the end of January, January 31st, it was published, a study from the Kasuma School of Biological Sciences the Indian Institute of Technology, New Delhi, India, Akarya Narendra Dev College, University of Delhi in New Delhi, about the uncanny similarity of unique inserts in the 2019 novel coronavirus spike protein to HIV-1, GP120, and GAG. In other words, they found inserts of HIV protein in the COVID novel 19 virus and they determined that this was unlikely to be fortuitous in nature. That's what the study said, published January 31st, 
2020. That article, that study, is linked on our website at thesecretteachings.info under the top news section. I've placed it there for you. Another study out of Canada, out of the University of Montreal, the Laboratory of Biochemical Neuro Neurondocrinology, Montreal Clinical Research Institute affiliated with the University of Montreal. The spike glycoprotein of the new 2019 NCOV contains a furin-like cleavage site absent in COV of the same clade. In other words, this virus did not mutate naturally from another virus. Now, these were studies. This one in particular came out roughly around the same time as the Indian study but a few days afterwards on the 10th of February 2020. That study is linked up on our website at thesecretteachings.info. So this is storyline two, stuff we've been talking about for weeks, information that has been publicly available but has been obscured because of what I call amateur conspiracy theories and psychological warfare and what social media is allowing to proliferate to a certain degree, specific conspiracies that overshadow what I would call a legitimate conspiracy to conceal and to cover up what has been happening from the beginning. Part of this second storyline that I'm talking about is a Politico article with the headline, China did not warn public of likely pandemic for six key days. This was published yesterday, April 15th, 2020, by the Associated Press. The Chinese, at the very minimal, waited six days to inform anybody about the virus, therefore letting it spread with no precaution. Millions of people leaving Wuhan and spreading it around the world. We talked about that months ago. That is now confirmed through the Associated Press. You can find that article in the archive on the website as well. Then I have another study here, Cell Host and micro, uh, Microbe Commentary, and it lists the Center for Systems Medicine Institute of Basic Medical Sciences, the Chinese Academy of Medical Sciences, and Peking Union Medical College, Beijing, along with the College of Biology, Hunan, Provincial Key Laboratory of Medical Virology, Hunan University. The list goes on and on. There are nine, eight or nine sources here for this particular article from Cell Press. And they talk about the genome composition and divergence of the novel coronavirus 2019 NCOV originating in China. In other words, even the Chinese said it originated here. So it is a virus from China, but there is a study about the divergence and the composition, the genetic readout of the virus, and how this virus is so different, like the other two studies I've just mentioned. All of those in the top news section on the website at www.thesecretteachings.info. Now I have two other things here that I wanted to share with you, and these are Electron microscopic images of the COVID-19 virus, and although, yes, they look just like any other coronavirus, I don't have an electron microscope to go further down into the details, but when people are comparing, this is the only reason I'm bringing this up, when people are comparing 
exosomes that are excreted with when you have toxins in the body. They're excreted, and they say that they look like coronavirus, or rather coronavirus looks like exosomes. Well, the pictures that are being compared to exosomes, the ones that I've seen anyway, don't look anything like a coronavirus. They, ju- they look like exosomes. So I'm not sure how that began spreading, but if you look at the microscopic electron microscopic images, it shows you the coronavirus with the little crowns on them. I guess depending on what what is the uh, what is the, uh, the 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 zoom on that microscope, but you can find those and those links are on the website as well. So we've looked at all of this for months now. We've had an investigation here on the show, a minor investigation by looking at the information that's available. And it's not about being right. I've just stayed true to the belief that I don't think that this virus was necessarily intentionally released. I think it was, in a sense, accidental. Maybe not released by a country, but maybe an individual. But in a sense, it was accidental. But that the thing was manufactured. It's artificial. It's made in a laboratory. All that's confirmed. And now, part of this second storyline, and we'll get to the first storyline here in a moment, part of this second storyline is an article that came out from the Daily Mail just a few days ago on the 11th of April. Some of you may have heard this. Some of you may not have heard this. It's critical. It's vitally important. Check this article out. If you don't trust the Daily Mail, that's cool. You can still find the actual documents that are the source of this information, including a statement from the embassy in, I believe it was Beijing, the Chinese embassy, well, well, Beijing, but including a statement from the Chinese embassy in London about the coronavirus and the blame that is being directed towards China, although they acknowledge it came out of China in their own reports, as I've just read to you. This article here is absolutely critical and absolutely bombshell. It says, The laboratory at the center of the scrutiny over the pandemic, that's the BSL-4 in Wuhan, which has been obscured by this 5G conspiracy. And yes, Fifth-generational technology, like fourth-generational technology, like any electromagnetic frequency, can affect your skin, can affect your pores, can affect your heart, can affect your lungs. It can affect a lot of your body because your body is a bioelectrical computer system. This is, as far as I understand, pretty basic science, pretty basic biology, pretty basic physiology. That has nothing to do with the virus itself. And we're going to get to that third storyline, as I mentioned here in a moment, which has to do with the denial that the virus exists. And that is really important. So the laboratory that was experimenting with things like SARS, which has leaked out of there in the past, it's a relatively new laboratory, the only laboratory sanctioned to do that kind of research. And they have different levels, you know, BSL, Biosafety Lab 3, Biosafety Lab 4, different infectious diseases, if you've seen the movie Contagion, for example, or you've seen the movie Outbreak, they talk about BSLs, biosafety labs. In the movie Outbreak, they show you the different biosafety laboratories and what they research in those laboratories like West Nile virus or smallpox or something like that. So this article here has a headline, Wuhan Lab was performing coronavirus experiments on bats from the caves where the disease is believed to have originated. With a 
$3.7 million grant from the United States. Now, understand, this is confirmation, but it's not confirmation that I hold to be very dear, and I believe that this confirmation is confirming what I've thought and what many of you have thought about the origin of this virus. I think this confirmation is is honesty, but I also think this confirmation is still Chinese propaganda, which takes us into the, into the third storyline tonight on The Secret Teachings. Let me read you what the article says. It says, documents obtained by the mail on Sunday, this was last Sunday, and I've got this report, the Wuhan Institute of Virology undertook coronavirus experiments on mammals captured more than 1,000 miles away in Yunnan, funded by a $3.7 million grant from the U.S. government. Sequencing of the COVID-19 genome has traced it to bats found in Yunnan's caves. The article continues to suggest that an accident at the laboratory in the Chinese city was, quote, no longer being discounted. In other words, it was not necessarily an accident. They think maybe it was leaked intentionally. Either way, it's coming out of this laboratory in Wuhan. Now the mail has learned that scientists at that laboratory experimented on bats as part of a project funded by the U.S. National Institutes of Health, the NIH, which continues to license the Wuhan laboratory to receive American money for experiments. Results of the research were published in a November 2017 article under the heading Discovery of a Rich Gene Pool of Bat SARS-Related Coronaviruses Provides New Insights into the Origin of SARS Coronavirus. And I have that from PLOS Pathogens out of China from the scientists working on this project, Center for Emerging Infectious Diseases of Wuhan Institute of Virology, Chinese Academy of Sciences, Wuhan, China, Yunnan Institute of Economic Diseases, or Endemic Diseases, excuse me, Control and Prevention, and Dali, China, and that is the research article, Discovery of Rich Gene Pool of Bat SARS-Related Coronaviruses Provides New Insights into the Origin of SARS Coronavirus. There is the actual study. You don't have to believe the Daily Mail. If you think it's more tabloid, you can actually go read the study itself. I've got it posted at thesecretteachings.info. You'll see a link that says Top News. Click that directly, and you'll see these studies. You can just click them and open them up, including links to these two articles from The Scientist that go back to 2014 and 2015 about, and I'll quote you the headlines, a moratorium on gain-of-function research. The second article, lab-made coronavirus triggers debate. The first article on the moratorium on gain-of-function research says the White House Office of Science and Technology Policy and the Department of Health and Human Services last week announced it was launching a detailed review into so-called gain-of-function research. How many times have we used those words on this show? I cannot count the number of times. Gain-of-function. I said that at the very beginning of this. Gain-of-function. Not because I'm smart, just because it seems to be that this is what was going on, and now we're finding out that there's a lot more going on than we even speculated on. Some people had a better idea, other people not so much. This is what's happening. I'm pro- I'm providing you with the links and the information tonight. So you c- if you don't you don't you can go look at this. If you don't believe what I'm saying, if you don't trust what I'm saying, that's cool. Go look at it for yourself and make up your mind for yourself. 
even if you do trust me, go look at it for yourself. Get copies of this stuff so that you have the information and you can show other people because I feel it's vitally important for others to have access to the sources of information, not just the reports, second, third-hand reports of where this stuff's coming from. So they talk about the gain-of-function exercises in which you know pathogens are manipulated and they have their, uh, you know, their capabilities altered, hence what we read being so incredibly powerful about the similarity between COVID-19 and HIV. The scientist says, in the face of threats like influenza, SARS, and MERS, which have killed scores in the Middle East and Asia, the government is instituting a pause to gain a function funding for experiments involving these deadly viruses. A year later, 2015, lab-made coronavirus triggers debate. It says Ralph Barrick, an infectious disease researcher at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, published a study on his team's efforts to engineer a virus with the surface protein of the shc 14 coronavirus found in horseshoe bats in China and the backbone of one of the, cause, uh, one of the causes human-like severe acute respiratory syndrome, SARS, and mice. The hybrid virus could infect human airway cells and cause disease in mice, according to the team's research, which was published in Nature Medicine. The results demonstrate the ability of this particular surface protein to bind and infect human cells, validating concerns that this virus or other coronaviruses found in bat species may be capable of making the leap to people without first evolving in an intermediate host, Nature reported. They also reignited debate about whether that information justifies the risk of such work known as gain-of-function research. If you read what the Chinese were doing, they were experimenting on the virus by growing it in a laboratory, then they would inject it into three-day-old piglets. They would take intestinal samples from the piglets, grind them up, and feed them to other piglets. Senior ministers say that while the latest intelligence does not dispute the virus was zoonotic, meaning that it comes from animals, it's no longer ruling out that the virus first spread to humans after leaking from a Wuhan laboratory. And if you read all the details of this, they're talking about how And the history is most viruses of this nature, they need some kind of transmission system. They have to be able to jump. A lot of them can't jump from animal to animal to to human because of the the complexity of genetics and and, and, um, the nature of, of viral infections. So if you blend together different animals and you extract a virus that is engineered out of those animals, then you can artificially inject it into the human population, which it seems to be intentional or otherwise exactly what was done in that laboratory in Wuhan, along with what other laboratories in the United States that have been sanctioned by the National Institute of Health, people like Dr. Fauci, who is working for the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and so many others, This is incredible. And all of this information, it's not coming from any particular source of media that one might trust or one might distrust. This information is coming directly from, for the most part, you could argue this, of course, but respectable laboratories and universities and third parties that have looked at this from the beginning and said it's artificial, it's a biological weapon, it's engineered, it either leaked, it was released, etc., etc. And then that brings us to the third storyline. To recap, the first storyline tonight is kind of how we put this information together for you 
night after night on the secret teachings because people ask me that a lot. The second storyline is here's what's been going on and how it relates to the third storyline, which is what we're going to discuss tonight on the broadcast. And that third storyline is a very tiny recap of our show on Monday where we talked about the history of things like SARS and quarantines and how that relates to what is now taking place in the United States with headlines like this, New York to require all people to wear masks when in public. And that reminded me of something, and I'll tell you about that after break. Another article, will coronavirus pandemic empty the cities? And that reminded me of something else I'll tell you after break. Another article, standing too close, not covering coughs. If someone is violating social distancing rules, what do you do? That reminded me of something as well that we'll talk about when we come back from break. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. The website, www.thesecretteachings.info. There's a lot more hard-hitting bombshell information and a unique and different angle that I'm going to provide you with tonight, like we try to do on every show. Tonight will also be very historically important. Just like we talked on Monday about SARS and the history of some viruses, tonight we're going to talk, we're going to go back in time maybe a little bit further, and we're going to talk about some other historical things that are incredibly relevant for what's happening in the United States and around the world today. I guarantee you, this is not something you're going to hear on the average radio show. So stay with us. We'll be back after this break. Check out the website. Subscribe to the archive. Get a free book. It's $35. www.thesecretteachings.info More after this. Don't go anywhere. And email us if you have any questions or comments at rdgable at yahoo.com. If you're looking for something to do while you're quarantined or locked down at home, check out www.thesecretteachings.info for our entire show archive. There you'll find every single broadcast after it airs, and you can download and stream every single one of those shows with great guests and timeless subjects. Right now it's only $35 for a one-year subscription to the archive and a free copy of one of my books with free shipping in the United States. It supports The Secret Teachings, The Fringe FM, and it supports you. You can also check out my three books independently, Occult Arcana, Food Philosophy, and The Technological Elixir. Read reviews and see the books at www.thesecretteachings.info. Whether you subscribe, purchase a book, or you simply listen to the show five nights a week, it's a great way to stay informed and to be entertained. Again, that's www.thesecretteachings.info thesecretteachings.info or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash thesecretteachings and shoot us an email at rdgable at yahoo.com You are listening to The Secret Teachings with your host, Ryan Gable. To contact Ryan, email rdgable at yahoo.com If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, and from mythology to alchemy, then why not check out the book Occult Arcana? 
complete with hundreds of beautiful images. Maybe you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs, and demonic pacts made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir, black goo, transhumanism, and invoking AI. Or if that's not enough and you want a practical look at food, lifestyles, and ingredients, even those in your pet food, with free solutions to better health, then check out Food Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover or PDF at www.thesecretteachings.info. That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and even order yours today. It not only supports The Secret Teachings and Fringe FM, but most importantly, it supports you. Do you enjoy The Secret Teachings? You now have an opportunity to help inform others while supporting the program by purchasing our newly available t-shirts for men, women, or whatever else you identify as, even a purple penguin. Whether you spark conversation with the Secret Teachings t-shirt or you want to decorate your safe space with an awesome poster, we have what you want at thesecretteachings.info. For any questions, contact Ryan Gable by email at rdgable at yahoo.com. Hi, Jeremy Scott here from Into the Paranormal, and I'm back live Saturdays at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on The Fringe FM. So, you love talk radio, then you'll love TalkStreamLive.com. TalkStream Live is always on, 24-7, with the best streaming talk shows. Find your favorite talkers and discover some new ones. It's free, readily available online, or on mobile with any smartphone or tablet. Finding your favorite talk shows all in one place has gotten a whole lot easier. Just go to TalkStreamLive.com. Be sure to download the free apps from Google Play or the iTunes App Store. This is The Secret Teachings. To contact the show, to share information and your opinion, or give recommendations, email rdgable at yahoo.com. Visit the Facebook page at facebook.com slash thesecretteachings or our website, thesecretteachings.info. We've heard your feedback loud and clear. You called it out, and now we're answering. All new live programming, five nights a week. Always remember, The Fringe FM is for you, the listener, and we appreciate your feedback. Keep the feedback coming. You can email us at talkback at thefringe.fm, call the station at 501-777-5631, or send us a message on Facebook at The Fringe FM. I'm Clyde Lewis from Ground Zero Radio, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. This is John B. Wells of Caravan to Midnight, which you can find at caravantomidnight.com. And you're listening to The Secret Teachings. I'm Ryan Gable. And this is The Secret Teachings on The Fringe FM, where you can find us five nights a week, Monday through Friday. The website, 
www.thesecretteachings.info. rdgable at yahoo.com if you'd like to contact us for any reason. And social media, facebook.com forward slash thesecretteachings. Tonight there are three storylines going into the broadcast. The first storyline is your C storyline. It just kind of shows you how we put together information whether that's from a university, a laboratory, a mainstream alternative news article, a book, whatever the source of information might be, how we put a show together. The second storyline tonight, the B storyline, is going through a lot of that information as we did in the first segment and looking at what we've been talking about for at least three months now on the broadcast about the nature of COVID-19, about the nature of coronavirus, and about the nature of the resulting societal changes because of this COVID-19, because of the quote-unquote global pandemic. And the first storyline, the A storyline, is in essence historical context. And I'll explain to you what I mean by that. In 1374 in Venice, the city closed its ports and it closed its gates. It was a quarantine in order to keep out bubonic plague. And therefore the word quarantine comes from Italian because they quarantined Venice for 40 days. 40 days in Italian put the word together quarantine. And during that time, much like other times throughout history, there are times even before this quarantine in Venice that there were quarantines. They just didn't call them quarantines because that was the Italian terminology that later became the word that we know. But throughout history, there have been quarantines. Throughout history, there have been acts of biological warfare when plague victims would be launched over the walls of cities in order to spread disease. Quarantines have also been politicized for hundreds and hundreds of years. Any act by an official source of power, if there are vying sources of power, are going to see that act as a threat, when if they were in power, they would likely do the same thing, and those in power, if they were out of power, would look at those who are out of power, but if they were in power, and they would have the same criticisms. I always think of that Woody Allen movie, Bananas, where he's working with this group of rebels, and when they finally overthrow the dictator, uh, they're talking about freedom and peace for the people, and as soon as they overthrow the dictator, the, the leader just becomes a new dictator almost instantly. Well, quarantines, we hear a lot about quarantines and lockdowns today, and a lot of us are experiencing this to the extreme in places like New York, where I am. We're going to talk a lot about that tonight with historical context. But I need to explain this first because when the quarantines and the lockdowns were first initiated, a lot of people made this a political thing and they made it an economic thing. Primarily a political thing using economics and this idea that Capitalism is, is entirely evil, and it's socialism that can save us. Also important for tonight's show with the historical context I keep mentioning. Quarantines were considered by 
one New York City newspaper in 1798 as, quote, a most unwarrantable tyranny over the merchant. People were upset in 1798 in New York City because there were quarantines to stop the spread of disease. There have been several outbreaks of cholera in New York in the 1800s. In uh, 1832, 1842, I believe, and they had another one in the 1850s. Now, a British physician, Henry Gautler, in 1833, said that the quarantine is useless. He said, quote, as a result of this uh, quarantine, the injury it inflicts on the commercial relations and maritime intercourse of the country is an absolute and uncompensated evil. So people were upset about the quarantine and the shutting down of businesses. Those like Charles McLean wrote in 1824 about the evils of quarantine laws, called them engines of despotism, and wrote about the non-existence of pestilential contagion. That is the key terminology that I would like you to remember if you're following along intently. Non-existence of pestilential contagion. In other words, we don't need a quarantine. There is no contagion. There is no pestilence. It doesn't exist. A lot of people are saying that about COVID-19, that it doesn't exist. I want to talk to you about SARS for a moment. SARS was able to spread worldwide. I call it South Asian Respiratory Syndrome. It's Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome, SARS, the first official pandemic of the 21st century. Going back to 2002-2003, it was able to manifest around the world and spread because the Chinese government denied that the disease existed. And that was reversed due to a single whistleblower named Dr. Jiang Yangyong. He was later placed under house arrest and seen as an enemy of the state. Then he was considered a hero, and then he was considered once again an enemy of the state. Back and forth, if you read the story of Dr. Jiang Yangyong. Now, SARS is a member of the coronavirus family. There are several coronaviruses. That's why Clorox knew about the coronavirus, for all the amateur conspiracy nuts out there. Therefore, the name of this virus is SARS-CoV, SARS-COVID, SARS-Coronavirus, C-O-Corona-V-Virus. Corona referring to the crown-like appearance of this virus, a circular core with spike-like projections of the surrounding glycoproteins is viewed by electron microscopy. And we can see this in the images of COVID-19. It, it, hey, maybe it is just SARS, and that's in essence what it is, but it's a slight variation. If you looked at the genetic sequencing of it, then it shows you that there are artificial inserts of HIV proteins and that it's not a natural mutation. So you go back to the science of it for all of those people who love science so much. You go to the actual science of it, they show you it's artificially created, like we've been saying for months. Now stay with me, because where I'm going with this is incredibly important. Just like Charles McLean wrote in 1824 about the non-existence of pestilential contagion. It doesn't exist. Pestilence, contagions, they don't exist. 
Well, the Chinese government said SARS didn't exist. And because of their negligence and their ignorance and their arrogance and their attempt to save face constantly, and this is also just, let's be frank, what communists do, and any authoritative power structure does, they don't take any responsibility and they don't want to acknowledge any kind of fault. Tens, hundreds of millions of people, at least a hundred million, died in the preceding years after the communist revolution in the 40s, early 50s in China. And that whole time, Mao's great famine, millions of people died. Tens of millions of people died. They even call it Mao's famine, the great famine, because of negligence, because the Communist Party would not acknowledge that their top-down economic planning was flawed, and it always is flawed. Because you cannot dictate the prices of things and who's going to work where. And it falls apart every single time. So the Chinese government, the early 21st century, denied that this virus, SARS, was a thing. They said, doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. We don't see it doesn't exist. Well, let me read you a statement about SARS. This is from a book called Viruses, Plagues, and History, Past, Present, uh, Present and Future by Michael B.A. Oldstone. SARS-CoV infects not only the upper airway, as do other human coronaviruses, but also cells lining the lungs, the alveolar epithelium in the lower respiratory tract. As a result, these patients have severe difficulty in breathing, causing shortness of breath, respiratory distress, and poor transfer of oxygen from the lungs to the blood. The smallest units of the lungs are the pulmonary alveoli, or air cells. This is, this is where the, the, the gases, you know, oxygen is taken in and then carbon dioxide is expelled. And um, that's where our breathing process takes place. The alveolar lining is composed of epithelial cells that become infected with SARS-CoV. Now, as the disease progresses, if you have SARS, if you have this particular virus, as the disease progresses, as it worsens, the virus, which you would imagine would be more proliferated in the body, actually decreases. While the number of infiltrating macrophages and T-cells increases greatly, you've got a severe infection. Now, when you go into looking at what SARS is beyond that, and what the Chinese government did, they denied it. They said it didn't exist. Well, the lower respiratory tract and its involvement in this particular infection is serious enough to cause people to be hospitalized. Of those admitted to the hospital, about 20% are sick enough that they need intensive care. This is for SARS. The fatality rate is about 10%, over half of whom are elderly and or those having pre-existing heart or pulmonary problems. The Centers for Disease Control has estimated that more than three-quarters of the people who are sick from COVID-19 or who have died from COVID-19 are people that are, yes, elderly and people that have other conditions, heart disease. They have problems with breathing already. They have diabetes, pre-existing conditions, if you will, and that's why 
they die. Numbers also can be and are absolutely manipulated and altered in order to create the image that there is a much more serious problem than there really is. And although this thing seems to have run its course, where we're going next with this story is both in the future, in the present, and in the past simultaneously, and that is what's coming as a result. We know what happened, accident or otherwise. We know about the virus. Now what is happening as a result of this virus spreading and as a result of the response to the spreading of this virus, no matter how severe it really is. Initial estimates determined that it was highly infectious. It was high, had a high mortality rate. Now they're saying it's not as bad. Yes, some of that might be because of the policies that were implemented. But it's a very small percentage, and more people are suffering now because of lockdowns and quarantines than they would have with the virus to begin with. So for SARS patients, a lot of them go to the hospital, but not everyone goes into intensive care. And most of the people that die are the elderly and those who have pre-existing conditions, especially, especially heart conditions, people that have trouble breathing already. When they're exposed to this, then they have an even worse time. Now, SARS is essentially one of the base factors in creating this new virus. It's a coronavirus. It's a SARS-like virus, except it's engineered in a different way, and it's done artificially by creating a pathogen from bats using pigs to incubate the virus. That's in the report that we read earlier. Now, within a few days of getting infected with SARS, you develop symptoms like fever, weakness, muscle pain, loss of appetite. After a few more days, you have respiratory symptoms and you have coughing and shortness of breath. These are all things that people have attributed to 5G. Sure, it can cause that, but these are things that were happening to people in 2002 and 2003 when the most important key element here, the Chinese government did not acknowledge the virus existed. They said it did not exist like Charles McLean in 1824 wrote about the evils of quarantine laws and the non-existence of pestilential contagion. Now, China keeps coming up time and time again. And I wanted to share something with you tonight that, once again, is historically in context. We need the historical context to understand what's going on. I'm going to read you a few articles here, part of the A, B, and C storyline. And I want to slowly bring you into the historical context of this information, where this is going. Most of you know where it's going and maybe what we can do about the situation, if anything. I mentioned this study from the University of Southampton before. In relation to SARS, this is a very similar study with COVID-19, that if the Chinese had acted, they could have prevented 66, 86, and 95 percent respectively, of all of the cases and uh, the deaths. Just like Politico has reported in the last couple of hours, China didn't warn public of likely pandemic for six days. So China did not warn the public, and then they came out and said the National Institutes of Health and the Obama administration, Fauci, and all these people that are working together gave them the 
experimental virus with gain-of-function exercises. They experimented on it with a $3.7 million grant from the United States. So I woke up this morning, and these are things that have been going through my head every day, just like most of you since the beginning. As a radio host, I'm always trying to keep up to date on what's going on, provide different angles. One of the angles I love is the historical angle and the context and the present with what happened in the past, which is also what has, is, and will happen in the future because time, in a sense, is nonlinear and things are fractal patterns and repeat themselves. So I'm thinking all day today about everything that's quote-unquote virus-related and all the restrictions and lockdowns and quarantines. And if you look at the show clock right now, we're, we're about 50 minutes into the show. It's taken me about 50 minutes to as coherently and articulate as possible with all the information, provide you with a detailed background and history of everything that's been going on in order to get to this next part, which I feel is ultimately the most important part at this point in time. When I woke up this morning, I had learned that the state of New York, where I am, is requiring all people to wear masks when in public. Businesses are requiring employees to wear masks while in public. Now, this supposedly went into effect on April 15th at 8 p.m. I imagine that's 8 p.m. Eastern time because this is obviously New York. So, you wake up on the 16th of April, and the news reports and businesses are saying you need to wear a mask in order to prevent people from getting sick. Okay, so wear a mask, surgical mask, make a mask, do something. You know, initially, the CDC recommended that only six, uh, sick people wear the mask and those that are caring for the sick people. Then they decided to recommend that you wear a mask. So there's been some confusion around this. The governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo, has signed an executive order making it, in essence, mandatory that you wear the mask if you go out in public here in New York. I'm going to read you the quote from Andrew Cuomo. Quote, If you are going to be in a situation in public where you come into contact with other people in a situation that is not socially distanced, you must have a mask or a cloth covering nose and mouth. End quote. Now, if you listen to what he said, you paid attention to that quote. He said, if you go out in public, where you come into contact with other people is in a situation that is not socially distant. So you're supposed to wear a mask in public. That's what the headline to the article from The Hill that I have here says, New York to require all people to wear masks when in public. But it's slightly misleading because... You're only, quote-unquote, required, and we'll get to that word, required to wear a mask in public if you are not socially distancing. So if you stay away from people, it's not supposed to be enforced. It also says 
that there's a three-day window beginning on the 15th. So that means the 16th, the 17th, and the 18th. And by the 19th, you must be compliant with this. So it doesn't take effect immediately. There's a window for people to get the masks that they need to get to wear them in public if they're going to be in a socially interactive situation that is less than six feet. The article from The Hill says local governments, and here's the word required, local governments would enforce the order, it's the order from the governor, but they won't be issuing fines yet, according to the governor. They're enforcing the order, but they're not issuing fines. That, of course, would be the next step. You would fine people and you would jail people for not wearing the mask, even if they're not within that six-feet bubble. Now, where this became even more disturbing, if that's possible, is when the governor, Andrew Cuomo, said that masks are part of the state moving to a, quote, new normal, end quote, as the governor outlined a gradual reopening of businesses. This is so incredible. Noting the crisis won't be over, until a vaccine is made available. Now, Cuomo, as a governor, much like mayors, congressmen, senators, the president, there's a hierarchy of power, right? And individuals in their own jurisdiction can make their own decisions, and the government is there, the president is there, to enforce the law of the land and If there is some kind of illegal activity in a state, the federal authorities have the ability to override that. So the president has that has that power, chooses whether he chooses to exercise it or not. It's a personal decision. The point that I'd like to make crystal clear is we understand the hierarchy of power and where people get their information from. We've seen that the president in the United States has cut off funding to the World Health Organization. That's a positive thing as far as I'm concerned due to the fact that they are full of Chinese agents, number one. China is primarily responsible for this pandemic, just like they were for SARS. And because the World Health Organization is funded primarily by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, much like the Centers for Disease Control. Bill Gates does not have a medical degree, and even if he did have a medical degree... It doesn't give him the right to be king of the world, to be emperor, and to dictate to every country what they need to do. And to tell people, you need to have papers and a vaccine or you cannot go out in public again. So Bill Gates says that. And then Dr. Fauci says that. Who's part of the NIH and responsible for this virus in China to begin with. And then governors like Cuomo says it. And other governors have said the same thing, that the crisis won't be over until a vaccine is made available. Cuomo said the masks that he's requiring everybody to wear, if you're within that six-feet bubble, are part of the state moving towards a new normal. Now, I pick a few things out of this. Number one, it's a new normal as the government starts to reopen, but the crisis itself won't be over until the vaccine is made available. So my question is, does that mean that when the crisis, quote-unquote, is over, we'll be able to take the masks off? 
because this is an executive order, or do we have to leave the masks on? And number two, this new normal. What exactly is a new normal? The governor exercising emergency powers all the time, every time, without any interference or pushback? New York is requiring all people to wear masks. And the reason that 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 article, that headline stood out to me was because I'm in New York, one, and depending on what you have researched or read about the virus itself, when you're wearing these masks, just like when you're wearing gloves, if you're wearing them, number one, all the time excessively, you're going to spread, quote unquote, germs and viruses just as much as you'd spread them if you, did, you didn't have the gloves on. And same with the mask. You put your mask down, you pick it up, you rub it in your face. You're always putting your mask on. You have to have it on. You take it off, put it on, take it off. That is going to, much like it's very obvious that you shouldn't be touching your face if you don't want to get sick, on average, you should be washing your hands. If you're not washing your mask every time you take it off, then you're just picking it up from wherever you laid it down, you're shoving it in your face, you're probably going to get sick. So that's the common sense angle of this, why I don't want to wear a mask. If it was by choice, that's one thing, but not if it's going to be dictated to me. And the other thing is, when you think of masks, you know, when you watch a movie or you see like a documentary, what do you typically think of when you see a see like a Chinese person in a documentary walking down the streets some Chinese city they've got a mask on it's it's something that even if you see you know Chinese people that are I lived in Florida there were tons of Chinese in particular that would come to, to Disney World and they'd always have masks on you'd think well that's probably because they're 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 uh country is so incredibly polluted, and they wear them here. It's just kind of the normal. Well, I was reading in a history book that that's not really a normal thing that started in the last couple of years or the last few decades. That's a thing that started a long, long time ago in China, during and after the Communist Revolution. And it started as a result of Beijing claiming that the United States had waged biological warfare on China. Now, although they've now said that the virus came out of a laboratory and that the virus itself was given to them and they experimented on it with grants from the United States, their initial argument was that it doesn't exist and then it was the U.S.'s fault, which in a, in a sense, I guess that statement is still correct, but they did blame the U.S. military for releasing the virus. Beijing did the same exact thing in the 1950s. I'm going to tell you all about that when we come back for break and what led to a mass, and in some ways it was positive, a mass cleaning, physical cleaning of so much of China and to the paranoia of always wearing a mask and having quotas on killing insects that might spread disease and groveling to authorities and, and, and showing them literally, I, look, I, I, I killed 10 flies today and I have two rat's tails, literally. It's a history of communist China. I'm going to tell you about that when we come back because I can't help but think 
what's happening now with stimulus checks, universal basic income. Another article here about coronavirus pandemic emptying big cities because they're too crowded. A couple angles to that. All of this sounds like the great leap forward and the destruction of China by the Communist Party, which we know is so embedded and so ingrained in Western media, economics, politics, etc. This is really fascinating to me, and I hope that you share the fascination or at least you pay attention a little bit and you see what I'm saying here because this is very, very critical. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings, www.thesecretteachings.info. You can find my books there. You can buy those separately, or you get a free copy of any of those books when you subscribe. Right now, it's $35 to the archive, a one-year subscription. You can get it on the website at www.thesecretteachings.info or email me at rdgable at yahoo.com, social media, facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings. We'll be back. If you're looking for something to do while you're quarantined or locked down at home, check out www.thesecretteachings.info for our entire show archive. There you'll find every single broadcast after it airs, and you can download and stream every single one of those shows with great guests and timeless subjects. Right now, it's only $35 for a one-year subscription to the archive and a free copy of one of my books with free shipping in the United States. It supports The Secret Teachings, The Fringe FM, and it supports you. You can also check out my three books independently, Occult Arcana, Food Philosophy, and The Technological Elixir. Read reviews and see the books at www.thesecretteachings.info. Whether you subscribe, purchase a book, or you simply listen to the show five nights a week, it's a great way to stay informed and to be entertained. Again, that's www.thesecretteachings.info thesecretteachings.info or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash thesecretteachings and shoot us an email at rdgable at yahoo.com If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, mythology to alchemy, check out Ryan Gable's book, Occult Arcana with hundreds of beautiful images If you want to look at technology black goo UFOs, and demonic packs made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir, black goo, transhumanism, and invoking AI. And if you want a practical look at food, lifestyle, and ingredients, even those in your pet food, with free solutions to better health, check out Food Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover or PDF at thesecretteachings.info. That's where you can read reviews, See pictures and order yours today. It supports The Secret Teachings, you, and The Fringe FM. The Secret Teachings is the middle ground between the mainstream and alternative, between the official story and clickbait conspiracy. It lies between man's lack of critical thinking and his acknowledgement of discovering the patterns of nature. This is a radio show of objective analysis from the occult to pop conspiracy and health. A show we call The Secret Teachings. You can catch the broadcast Monday through Friday at 12 midnight U.S. Pacific Time 
3 a.m. U.S. Eastern Time on the Fringe FM, the Fringe.fm, and www.thesecretteachings.info. You're listening to KTLK, The Fringe FM. We told you weeknights on The Fringe FM are now even better. And we mean it. Do it live! Where else can you hear the best shows and the best talent? Kick off your evening with our newest host, Alex Exum, live at 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 Eastern. Hang out with me, Joe Roop, on Lighting the Void at 9 Pacific, Midnight Eastern. Ryan Gable expands your mind on the secret teachings at Midnight Pacific, 3 a.m. Eastern. We're bringing the heat every single night. Fire it up. The Fringe FM. Yeah, you're a proper pro. And I just want to thank you, Ryan, for having me on. I've heard a few of your shows, and you go deep, brother. You go deeper than a deep-sea diver in a shipwreck. So it's uh, been great to be a part of your show. You've got a tremendous amount of knowledge yourself. You've clearly put in the hours of research, and I commend you for that. So I'm very happy to have been a part of your show today. Thanks again for the invitation. This is Mark Devlin, author of Musical Truth, Volumes 1 and 2, musicaltruthbook.com online. And you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. I'm Ryan Gable, and this is The Secret Teachings on The Fringe FM. You can contact us by emailing rdgable at yahoo.com, finding us on social media at facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings, and visit our website where you can find my books and our archive and top news as well at www.thesecretteachings.info. On that website, under the top news section, you'll see all of the articles, all of the studies that we posted from what we discussed over the last couple of months, but particularly a summary of that in the first segment of tonight's show, kind of our C storyline that takes us to our B storyline, which is what's going on as a result of all of that information, that how, that's how we put shows together. What's going on currently pertaining to that information about biological weapons and about the coronavirus and the response to the coronavirus and the various theories and all this. But also, it takes us to this first storyline, the storyline A, if you're talking about the A, B, and C storylines on a television show. And that takes us to the history of things like quarantines and viruses. The first quarantine in 1374, because that's the word, 40 days, a 40-day lockdown of Venice in 1374 to stop bubonic plague from spreading. Quarantine comes from the Italian for 40 days. And there were people at that time and later who thought quarantines were an act of despotism, that they were useless, And one writer, Charles McLean, in 1824, said that quarantine laws were evil and that 
pestilential contagions did not exist. Now, the Chinese in 2003 claimed the exact same thing about SARS. It did not exist. And if you read about SARS, the effects that people are having now are identical to what people were having with SARS. A lot of the times your body responds identically, depending on where you have an infection or you have an injury. It's going to respond identically. You're going to get a fever. So a fever initially could mean that you have a severe injury. Maybe you've sprained something, you get a fever, or at least the finger maybe you sprain gets a little hot. Maybe you get a splinter, it kind of gets infected, it gets kind of hot around the splinter area, the puncture. Maybe your muscles tense up in your back, you got anxiety or something, you pulled something, it kind of gets real hot. When you get a real fever, though, and it starts to burn stuff out of your body, that's what it's meant to do. Viruses, bacteria die under intense heat. So the fever is normal whether you've got the flu, influenza, whether you've got West Nile virus, or whether you've got smallpox or Ebola or something less severe. You're going to get a fever, probably. It's almost guaranteed. You're probably going to cough if it's some kind of pneumonia-like lung infection where SARS attacks the lungs. Coronaviruses like SARS that attack the lining of the lungs, the cells lining the lungs, and make it difficult to breathe. So this is not new, and it's not a result of 5G technology existing at any point anywhere. China unveiled a large uh, 5G system in Wuhan, but it's been in a lot of U.S. cities for a long time. That discussion is allowed to circulate, and certain key elements are censored in order to provide the illusion that it's real, to distract us from any kind, and also to censor and block any kind of real discussion on 5G. And the Chinese 5G that, from what I understand, has partially been blocked coming into the United States to be implemented. Now, beyond the conspiracies and beyond the theories and the amateur hour, the historical context of this stuff is so important, whether it's a quarantine or it's something like the face mask. You ever seen Chinese tourists? I lived in Orlando for a long time, and you go to Disney World around that area, you'd always see Chinese people that would fly in, and they'd have, you know, their Mickey Mouse backpacks and their, their mouse ears, but they'd also have masks on their face. And we think, well, that's because it's incredibly polluted there. They come here, they don't want to get sick, you know. So they wear masks traveling internationally when they're in different places. I mean, if I went to China, I might wear a mask. I don't know. But here in the state of New York, and if you're not in New York and you're in Japan or you're in the U.K., this should still be incredibly, incredibly breathtaking. No pun intended in relationship to the mask. The governor of this state of New York, Andrew Cuomo, said, quote, If you are going to be in a situation in public 
where you come into contact with other people in a situation that is not socially distanced, you must have a mask or a cloth covering nose and mouth, end quote. All the reports, though, are that you have to wear a mask when you're in public. That's only partly true based on the executive order. But it gets better. Local governments would enforce the order, but they won't be issuing fines yet. How they enforce it? Completely up to local governments. This was passed on the 15th of April, and there's a three-day window to comply with this so people can get masks. That means it won't be fully in effect until the 18th or 19th of April 2020. Now, the reason that's important is because here in New York, most people are already... Got to have a mask to go out in public. It's illegal if I don't have one. Well, no, they're not going to fine you yet. They're not going to put you in jail yet. And even if they were, you have several days to comply with it. So when you have an executive order, when you have a law that's passed, how many of us go and find the law or the executive order and read the thing for ourselves? Regardless of if it's constitutional or not, if it's legal or not, if it's authoritarian or not, if it's draconian or not, how many of us go find the source of that information? I try to, to the best of my ability, because when I went to find the source of this information about masks today, I found that it technically was not in effect yet. One. Two, if I don't do it, I'm still not going to be fined or go to jail. And three, they want us to wear masks only when we're within that six-feet bubble. See, this is the perception that is generated, the reality that is framed by the magical nature of words and how powerful those words are. But it gets better. Cuomo said the masks are part of the state here in New York moving towards a, quote, new normal. As the governor outlined a gradual reopening of businesses. So they're reopening businesses, but it's going to be under a new normal, even when it's all gone away. That should be something that makes you, especially if you live in New York, incredibly angry And a lot of people probably don't feel anger as much as they feel fear because this is the new normal now. This is what it's going to be, even when there's not a virus. But let's talk about that. Because the governor said the crisis won't be over until a vaccine is made available. Lots of governors are saying that here in the States. Until a vaccine is made available. Other countries, Australia, same thing, got to have a vaccine. Now, ultimately, follow the governors up the chain of command. The World Health Organization had their funding pulled by the United States, but they're still funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, as is in large part the Centers for Disease Control, which does do some good work. But the CDC is funded primarily by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. They're spending billions of dollars trying to manufacture vaccines. Openly saying that, yeah, vaccines hurt people. The United Nations has acknowledged that vaccines hurt people. And it's really kind of a balance of take the vaccine and get really, really sick or just naturally get sick and maybe you won't get sick. It, it's, there's a balancing act there. But they're saying this is the new normal even with a vaccine. We just won't declare that the crisis is over until a vaccine is made 
available, then you have to get the vaccine. So Bill Gates says that as the unappointed, self-appointed emperor of the globe, and then you have other officials at the WHO that are saying they'll come into your house and take people with dignity who might be sick. So you've got a pre-crime minority report situation that is blooming. And then you have Dr. Fauci, who was part of the NIH that transferred the research for the coronavirus 19 to China, to the virology lab, to the BSL-4 lab where it leaked out or got out because someone released it or it was done intentionally and incubated in the Chinese population. But Fauci was in charge of that. Fauci is on, along with Obama, Fauci was on and is on one of the boards of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Magical how that happens. And so Bill Gates says you need papers to travel. And Fauci says you need papers to travel. And Bill Gates says this won't be over till you have a vaccine. And Fauci says this won't be over till you have a vaccine. And now governors are saying this won't be over until you have a vaccine. Now the masks are being made semi-mandatory here in New York. And I want to read you something that I find incredible, the the fractal nature and the patterns of history, how things repeat themselves and how history does not change, how the present stays the same as the past, the present is the same as the future, and the future is the same as the past, and we, we exist and we progress in a Mobius strip, in a nonlinear form of time in a sense, where Things that have happened in the past set precedences for the future energetically and genetically. We have genetic memories. The genetic and the energetic and even the epigenetic, the, the environmental factors that go into creating a new reality through perception and through control. And what we're seeing happen now is in the history books, this has happened before. And I don't mean that in a vague way. I want to read you something, and we'll take a break, a short one, and we'll come back with the conclusion of tonight's broadcast. But this is just really getting started. It's a really great author named Frank DeCouder, and he lives in Hong Kong. He got access because the Chinese government opened up their archives after decades and decades, half a century. They've opened their archives quite recently. Frank Decoder wrote a series of books about the Communist Revolution. The first book he wrote is called The Tragedy of Liberation. The second book is called Mao's Great Famine. And the third book is about the Cultural Revolution. Unbelievably detailed, easy to read, fantastic books. I'd highly recommend you get a copy of one of these books. I don't make any money off of it. I don't know Frank Decoder. I just know that these books are just incredible the history in these things is just like, for me, it's just orgasmic. I, I, it's, un, it's unreal. I, I, I just came across these by mistake at a bookstore, and they're recently published. Great information. This is something that I, I want my son to read to get an idea about, uh, you know, the way that things are in the world today and historically and history and all this. So I'm, I'm flipping through this book, 
I read this particular book, The Tragedy of Liberation, several months ago, like maybe back in November. And I, I, I have sort of a photographic memory, and I remember reading in the book about face masks and where I was walking when I read it. That's I usually what I do. I walk and read, and then I remember like where I'm walking. If I try to remember, like I thought I I I I read something about ABC, and then I'll think, oh yeah, I was walking next to a you know a a fence, and that fence, the memory of it, the picture of it, just kind of triggers in the book where I was reading that. So they make this face mask thing semi mandatory today, and I just got this memory of reading this book, The Tragedy of Liberation and reading about face masks in China and how this whole thing started out. And then another thing came to my mind, and that is here in New York, and I'm sure in a lot of other places in the United States and around the world, you've got this rigorous cleaning campaign to clean shelves and clean floors and clean carts and clean yourself and clean everything to the point of just over-sterilization. And I also remembered, I, I read that somewhere. And it all started in 1952 in April, when Beijing put their country on red alert, charging that the Americans had secretly been waging germ warfare since the beginning of January of 1952. Sounds like a similar timeline, even. January to April of 1952, Beijing's on high alert. The Americans have hit us with a biological weapon waging germ warfare on our country. The Chinese said that the enemy had dropped infected flies, mosquitoes, spiders, ants, bed bugs, lice, fleas, dragonflies, and centipedes over parts of North Korea and Manchuria, spreading every variety of contagious disease. They went all out. They didn't just do one. They said the Americans dropped every contagious disease you can think of. They dropped it. When we come back from break, I'm going to tell you that as a result of this, what led to the Chinese people constantly wearing that face mask and what led to a rigorous cleaning, a herd mentality, a hive mind cleaning of the entire country and the quotas that had to be met for collecting insects to kill them to make sure that the diseases didn't spread, to give people a little feeling of control over their uncontrolled lives, and to make them feel, because if they collected enough flies or rats, they got a reward. They felt special. The reward they got was they got to fly a red flag. They got to fly the communist flag and they were special. And everybody knew they cared about the health and the well-being of China, of China's people, and of the Communist Party. I can't help but thinking with universal basic income and all these other things being discussed and emergency socialism, all this stuff that's happening now in the United States and around the world is basically a slow implementation of the Great Leap Forward, a slow cultural revolution, and it's happening in a supposedly free and open society that is otherwise opposed to the rigorous, powerful control of the CCP. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teaching. Stay with us more after this.
If you're looking for something to do while you're quarantined or locked down at home, check out www.thesecretteachings.info for our entire show archive. There you'll find every single broadcast after it airs, and you can download and stream every single one of those shows with great guests and timeless subjects. Right now, it's only $35 for a one-year subscription to the archive and a free copy of one of my books with free shipping in the United States. It supports The Secret Teachings, The Fringe FM, and it supports you. You can also check out my three books independently, Occult Arcana, Food Philosophy, and The Technological Elixir. Read reviews and see the books at www.thesecretteachings.info. Whether you subscribe, purchase a book, or you simply listen to the show five nights a week, it's a great way to stay informed and to be entertained. Again, that's www.thesecretteachings.info, thesecretteachings.info, or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash thesecretteachings, and shoot us an email at rdgable at yahoo.com. Alex Hi, I'm Alex Exum, and you're listening to KTLK, The Fringe FM. You are listening to The Secret Teachings. To contact the show, to share information and your opinion, or give recommendations, email rdgable at yahoo.com. Visit the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings, or visit the website at www.thesecretteachings.com. Info. We told you weeknights on the Fringe FM are now even better. And we mean it. Do it live! Where else can you hear the best shows and the best talent? Kick off your evening with our newest host, Alex Exum, live at 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 Eastern. Hang out with me, Joe Roop, on Lighting the Void at 9 Pacific, Midnight Eastern. Ryan Gable expands your mind on the secret teachings at Midnight Pacific, 3 a.m. Eastern. We're bringing the heat every single night. Fire it up. The Fringe FM. Hello, this is James McCanny, and I would like to influence you to listen to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. It's a show that brings you a tremendous amount of variety with insight uh, with a lot of great guests. And uh, visit my webpage, jmccsci.com. appreciate your support. In 1952, Beijing claimed that their country, and they did place their country on red alert because of possible contagious diseases that were spreading. And they alleged that the United States launched biological weapons against the Chinese starting in January of 1952 and lasting through April of 1952 when they made an announcement that the Americans had done this. They claimed that the Americans had dropped infected mosquitoes, dragonflies, spiders, ants, bedbugs, lice, fleas, flies, and other insects into parts of North Korea and Manchuria 
and other parts of China spreading every variety of contagious disease. They said that the Americans had also purposely released contaminated rats, frogs, dead foxes, pork, and fish. Even cotton, Beijing said, was spreading the plague and spreading cholera. They claimed that enemy planes had deployed these biological weapons in about a thousand sorties, many of them over Manchuria, but a few reaching very far south to the port of the Shandong province. Beijing alleged that the United States was waging germ warfare in February of 1952, all the way back into January of 1952, claims that rapidly made headlines around the world, of course. And this led to more and more hatred of America, especially with the Chinese people. And they spread extreme, powerful propaganda, endless articles on anthrax-laden chickens or bombs filled with tarantulas, They talked about all of the different ways that diseases were being spread through biological warfare. Now, the Chinese initially said that the United States launched a bioweapon in Wuhan. It's come out now that the Chinese were working with segments of the U.S. government, including Dr. Fauci and President Barack Obama, as heads of and working with with authority over the NIH and President of the United States to develop gain-of-function exercise viruses that were then transferred to China, sanctioned by the United States, to study these things in Wuhan. Now, I want to bring all of this together for you. Some amazing research done by Frank Decoder in a book called The Tragedy of Liberation, which was published just a couple of years ago. It's a relatively recent publication because the material for this book came mostly out of Chinese archives. This book was published in 2013. Others have been published since then. His last book about the Cultural Revolution, not his most recent, but his last book in this particular trilogy, The Tragedy of Liberation, Mao's Great Famine, and the third one, The Cultural Revolution, came out in 2016. In the first book, The Tragedy of Liberation, he's talking about these biological weapons claims that Beijing had made against the United States. And as a result, what happened to the people of China? people began to feel as if every insect, some animals, everything was spreading disease. And because everything was spreading disease, we had to eradicate those things spreading disease. So they went into overdrive with sterilization of everything, or maybe it's not sterilization, but a hyper-cleansing and cleaning of everything which in one respect is a good thing because 
a lot of these places were, especially at this time, filthy. So they cleaned up their cities. But the reason for the cleaning was erroneous. So they go into overdrive. Insect elimination was carried out in various places, and they would go and they would collect and then burn, boil, and bury insects from inchworms to wasps to butterflies to mosquitoes. Some of them were sent to laboratories for examination. Now, this whole process, although there was far more dissent, and maybe to some degree there's a lot of dissent today, but there was far more dissent in these days because the CCP had not obtained the power in the 50s that it has now, or even that it had in the 60s during the Cultural Revolution, but they carried out this campaign of cleanliness and insect elimination like a military campaign because of the hive mind and the communal collectivization of thought and action that communism provides for. And their attempt was to drive a cleaning campaign through the country which, of course, alienated large portions of the population who were upset about it. In Beijing, Frank Dakota writes, in Beijing, everybody was inoculated against plague, typhus, typhoid, and just about every other disease for which there was a vaccine, whether they wanted it or not. In the countryside, compulsion assumed a wholly different dimension. In parts of Shandong, the militia would arrive and block off both sides of the market, locking villagers in until they had been injected. In the village in Kui, the military locked all of the houses and injected the assembled villagers themselves. People tried to escape, tried to run away, forced vaccination. They injected them with every vaccine they had available. Now, we just heard the governor of New York telling us that, much like Bill Gates, the king of the world now, the president of the world, the president of the solar system, Bill Gates says we won't be able to congregate again unless we have a vaccine, unless we have papers. And he's funded those digital papers through the Microchip Invisible Tattoo. Scientific America reported on that back in December. You type in Scientific America Invisible Ink Tattoo, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, You'll find that in the article, they funded the research into these invisible ink tattoos, which you'd then be required to have to prove that you are medically cleared to exit your home under lockdown. In order for a lockdown to be lifted at all, you'd have to have this clear uh, clearance, which would, of course, be granted by a vaccination. Bill Gates says... You need the vaccine, the papers to move about. Then suddenly Dr. Fauci says we'll need vaccines and papers to move about. And now the governors are saying, and more than just Andrew Cuomo, the governors are saying, as Andrew Cuomo said, the masks that we're supposed to wear in New York are part of the state moving into a new normal, just like the Chinese did in the 50s and 60s under the guise of Benefiting the individual, the collectivization that gave the individual and individuality up to the collective dominated by the powerful state. That new normal the governor is saying is here 
is going to be here even when we reopen, but the crisis won't be declared over until a vaccine is made available. That's according to the Hill publication and what Andrew Cuomo said. A vaccine is the only way the crisis will be over, but even then, we'll, uh, we'll leave all of these restrictions and recommendations, quote-unquote. You might even still have to wear a mask after all this is over, just like in China. So that's what they did in Beijing in the 50s. They just inoculated everybody, gave everybody a vaccine. And they went through everything to find those insects, destroy those insects. They were cleaning everything obsessively. When this thing first started here in the United States, and people were becoming more and more aware of it, a lot of businesses started a process of cleaning vigorously cleaning shelves. If you go to shell a store, I went to Trader Joe's and I, I, I kneel down to get some rice cakes and I smell alcohol, like really, really strong alcohol. And so I kneeled down even further. I put my face close to the shelf and it just, they, they were cleaning it with alcohol, which is great. Clean the shelves. But they were sending teams out at Trader Joe's and Wegmans and other places to clean in like shifts and cycles, just one after another after another, cleaning the glass, cleaning the shelves, cleaning the floor, cleaning the displays, cleaning the packaging, cleaning everything. And it was just like watching the the obsessive, and I believe it was extremely obsessive, if it can be even more obsessive than obsessive, it was extremely obsessive to watch people clean to this degree who otherwise don't really care, but they've been instructed to care, and they've been given this purpose, like the Chinese people who acquiesced and obliged Beijing in the 50s, believing that America had attacked them with biological weapons. The only way to be safe is to get a vaccine. It's forced. You don't have a choice. And to clean everything as, as, as well as it's possibly done, with the approval of authorities, of course, who would beat you if you didn't comply, because that's, you know, wonderful communism that you know you either comply or they crush your skull put you in jail but it's always it's always voluntary but if you don't volunteer then they just they kill you or you go to jail you know or they they take you to a a gathering a struggle session and you have to repent your sins for five or six hours to a group of people that throw stuff at you because that's how great communism is it's fantastic people went around and cleaned everything like we see the obsessiveness now happening in the world So I'm thinking of that. That's what happened in China in the 50s. Then the campaign, as Frank Dakota writes, also had another visible effect. Not only did people go around and round up insects because of the biological weapon concerns and they cleaned everything so much, and that's what everybody's doing now in the States and around the world, I imagine. It's very similar from what I've seen and what I've heard from some other listeners. Many residents from traffic police and food handlers To street sweepers, they started doing something in order to protect themselves and to protect others. And it's lasted until this day, along with the other factor of severe and increasingly detrimental pollution. Many residents from traffic police and food handlers to street sweepers and others started wearing cotton masks, which always surprised foreign visitors. They started wearing the cotton masks because they didn't want to get sick. A lot of people were just afraid and wore the masks and cleaned everything because they thought they were going to get sick, but the whole thing was a lie. 
Obviously, coronaviruses exist, but I find it similar in nature to what happened in China with the masks and the cleaning, and now you can't leave unless you get a vaccine. The habit would last for decades, and it's lasted until today. In the words of William Kinmond, it gave even young girls and boys the appearance of being fugitives from operating rooms. From north to south, people were also required to kill five pests, namely flies, mosquitoes, fleas, bedbugs, and rats. In Beijing, every person had to produce the tail of one rat every week. And the reason they had them do this was because it gave people a little bit of purpose, and it kind of distracted them from the other things that were going on. It was a way to bring the country together. Even though a lot of people disagreed with what was happening, there was a unifying justification for what was occurring in the transforming of Chinese society and the turning of the country into a communist nightmare. So masks and intense cleaning all took place as a result of the Chinese government lying to its citizens about being attacked by the Americans with these insects. And then they went around and they collected the insects because it gave them some kind of vague purpose they collect the insects they are saving others they're protecting their society their cities their businesses in beijing every person had to produce the tail of one rat every week to show that they were really fighting the pestilence the contagion the plague and get this this is the best part You know how you walk around today and you see people that jump off the sidewalk into incoming traffic because they didn't want to get too close to you, but someone literally did that with me. They jumped into, they almost got hit by a car physically jumping off the sidewalk quickly because they didn't see me coming, so they weren't six feet away from me. You know, they'd rather be six feet deep than six feet or less away from me. They jumped in and almost got hit by a car. So I know a lot of people have seen this where you kind of get that look. You don't have a mask on. You don't have gloves on. In New York now, it's out of control because it's, quote, unquote, an executive order that you have to wear a mask. Although if you read the fine print, only when you're within the six feet of someone else. If you're beyond that, then you don't have to wear one. Although they're not going to enforce it anyway at the local level with fines at least, yet, but I'm sure it'll be mandatory. Everybody's got to wear a mask, and there'll be fines and jail time if you don't wear a mask. Other states are already doing things that are equally or worse than what they're doing in New York. It's just kind of, you know, pick your poison. But the tyranny reigns supreme. Now, what we've seen happen is people identify with their captors, identify with what otherwise in the hands of Benevolent people would be powers and policies, rules, executive orders, legislation, etc., that would end after the crisis. And we have no need to demolish civil liberties in order to protect ourselves because there are some places that have a drop-off in cases of coronavirus where they had stay-home orders just recently initiated, like in Florida. I want to read you something. This is a flyer from Chicago. In 1918, 
through 1919 when we had the flu, the influenza, the Spanish flu. It says, Influenza, frequently complicated with pneumonia, is prevalent at this time throughout America. This theater is cooperating with the Department of Health. You must do the same. If you have a cold and are coughing and sneezing, do not enter this theater. Go home and go to bed until you are well. They go on to explain that the, uh, the theater is helping to keep the public safe. Now, that is a kind of a piece of you know propaganda, but the theater in that case remained open. As far as I understand from what I read, they left some places open and they just told people that were sick to go home. In other words, they quarantined the sick and allowed society to continue to function. In other places, schools, places of public entertainment like cinemas and theaters were closed by city decree. San Francisco, the Board of Supervisors, ordered the wearing of gauze masks by the entire population. Everyone who did not wear a mask paid fines or went to jail. That's what happened in San Francisco in the early 20th century. History repeats itself because history is the future and history is the present. The present is the future and the present is history, the past. And the future is the past and the future is the present and the future is its own future. It is a fractal pattern, a Mobius strip. It is a nonlinear timeline. So in San Francisco, 1918, 1919, stuff was closed down. You had to wear a mask or you went to jail or paid fines. Back in the 1950s in China, when they were told about this horrible contagion, all these different diseases that were spreading, they went into this over-cleaning mode. They cleaned everything so incredibly obsessive with the cleaning and then they took forced vaccines, whether you liked it or not. You got the vaccine to stop people from getting sick. And then the authorities wanted everybody to wear masks. One of the visible changes that occurred as a result. You wear masks to keep yourself safe and protected. And also go around and collect insects because when you collect insects, you're doing your part. And so the point I'm making, or I'm attempting to make, I'm long-winded apparently, but the point I was trying to make a moment ago is when you go out in public and you see people give you that look like you don't have a mask, you don't have gloves, you could make me sick, stay away from me. And it's kind of like this pathetic groveling to authority that, and virtue signaling to others that I've got a mask, I'm doing my part. Even if it's not an executive order in New York, I'm doing my part, I'm wearing the mask, I'm keeping myself safe, but even if you don't wear a mask, I'm keeping you safe. Even if you don't wear gloves, I'm keeping you safe. I'm doing my part. I'm collecting the insects. I'm cleaning the floors. I'm washing my hands, which you should always do that anyway. You should always clean the floors. If it's a business, for your house, you should clean things anyway. But I'm wearing a mask. I'm taking the vaccine. I'm cleaning everything. I'm collecting the insects. I'm doing what I'm going to do because I was told and because it was suggested to me because these are the things that can prevent other people from getting sick. I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing it for you. This isn't very sophisticated propaganda. It's not very sophisticated social control. In fact, you can see as I've dis uh, dis d displayed to you tonight a history of communist rule in China and what they did in the 50s, and it also had to do with biological weapons. But this is the best part. I said this is the best part a moment ago. This is the best part 
of the whole thing pertaining to this cleaning campaign in China. Those who exceeded the quota of collecting insects and the tails of rats, in the case of Beijing, people had to collect the tail of one rat every week, those who met the quota or exceeded the quota greatly were allowed to fly a red flag over the gate of their house, while those who failed had to raise a black flag. Because if you collected the rat tails and you went out and you got those insects and you kept people safe and you wore the mask and you took the vaccine and you cleaned everything, you were a good citizen and you got to wear a badge of honor. You got the reward. If you didn't bring that rat tail to authorities in Beijing, if you didn't collect insects, you didn't wear a mask, you didn't take the forest vaccine, they'd probably kill you, uh, or they round you up, they'd force you anyway, they put you in jail. If you didn't clean everything, you are not a productive member of society. You're trying to make people sick. You must be working for the Americans who started this whole outbreak of disease, as Beijing said in the 50s. All within a time frame from January to April when the campaign was in full force in China. It doesn't just kind of sound like what's happening today. It sounds exactly like what's happening today. The major difference between now and some parts of the United States during the Spanish flu was that some places did not close down. They quarantined only the sick. as opposed to quarantining everybody. Oh, and by the way, coronavirus pandemic may empty out cities, according to this article from Yahoo News. The article says that cities are overcrowded and people might leave the cities to go to the countryside. Look up the Great Leap Forward and what was done to the cities in China, where they took these people and they dispersed them in the countryside. People who were farmers no longer were farmers. They stuck women who did not know how to farm, in some cases, most cases, in charge of the farms, upped the demand. People made up numbers. This led to Mao's Great Famine. People were worked to death in camps, taken far north, froze to death, worked with no shoes. Millions and millions and millions of people murdered. They had forges in their backyards, didn't know how to operate them. People got burned. People died. Things got burned down. People didn't have food to eat. People ate insects to survive, burned down large portions of forest, destroyed the environment, all because of the great leap forward. And one of the things was dispersing the population, collectivizing all material, land, tools. And it led to one of the greatest, if not the greatest, man-made disaster in the history recorded of mankind. And so all those people that are always talking about oh you're a you're a, you're a Nazi. Oh you're you're like Hitler. They always bring up Nazis and Hitler. Hitler discriminately killed people. The Chinese communists, communists in general, Cambodia, Venezuela, China, Cuba, they kill people indiscriminately. They kill their own people. Hitler didn't kill his own people. Hitler was proud of his people, 
proud of his citizenry, proud of the people that wanted to work and build something and not sit on their ass and collect government checks, which unfortunately is what a lot of Americans are choosing to do, and rightfully so. You're burned out. But that's the scam. You're burned out. They know you're burned out. They know that this is a trying time for everybody. We understand. Here's $1,200 while we dump trillions and trillions into other businesses that should, based on a free market, just completely collapse. We don't have a free market. This isn't a capitalist society. This is already a very socialist society. And a lot of the problems we have are a result of socialism. And socialism is one of the first steps to communism. And you see the Marxist ideology carried out day after day after day, influencing, infiltrating, and impregnating universities, media, textbooks, government, economics, etc., to a level now that is so blatant you'd have to literally be blind and retarded not to see it. As far as I'm concerned, it's obviously everywhere. And you see the same playbook, the same formation before the play every single time from the wearing of masks to the forced vaccines to the intense cleaning to the collecting. We haven't done that yet. The collecting of insects, although we've had genetically modified mosquitoes, but rather than collecting insects to be empowered and getting red flags to feel as if we are in charge and that we are rewarded by our authorities, by the powerful elite in charge. We're rewarded for our good hard work. We've helped the cause. We've protected other people. We get to hang a red flag. And if you don't meet that quota, you hang a black flag and you are are looked down upon by others. They look at you like they do here in New York when you don't wear a mask. They look at you like they do here in New York when you don't wear gloves. Though you can try to explain, I keep my hands clean, I wash them constantly, I always do that. I always practice good hygiene, I take care of myself, I'm not sick, I'm not going to get sick unless there's something incredibly contagious, gene-altering, then yeah, maybe I'll get sick. Maybe when I get older, maybe if I develop diabetes or cancer, which I probably won't because of my lifestyle, although you can get those things anyway, I am a healthy person, and a lot of other people are healthy, and I'm going to be subject to discrimination because I'm choosing not to wear a filthy mask that I'm laying down and picking up 50 times a day. Or because I'm choosing not to wear the same pair of gloves, which would be no different than me touching things with my hand, except I'm wasting gloves, people throwing them on the ground. They don't care about the environment, apparently, but they care about getting sick. See, that's the the hypocrisy of this whole thing. Just like banning plastic bags and then telling people, oh, no, now you can't bring your regular reusable bag because it could spread germs. So just carry your groceries down the street in your arms, good luck. And the hypocrisy of people talking about overpopulation and those who disagree with overpopulation have been saying, no, it's overcrowding, and now that's what they're talking about. Will the coronavirus pandemic empty the cities? They're overcrowded. There are too many people. Well, it's probably not going to empty the cities like the Communist Revolution, the Cultural Revolution, Mao's Great Famine, but it probably will lead to something else happening, and that's 
according to this Yahoo News article and other writers like Wired and City Lab, they've argued that the COVID-19 crisis presents, quote, an opportunity to reimagine cities, especially in terms of transportation. The Internet of Things and the Smart City. I give you the proverbial NWO, New World Order, globalist, fascist plot, plan. This is the blueprint. Most of you have seen it. The historical context is incredibly important. You've seen it tonight. You've seen the documents. And if you have any questions, you can contact me and I'll send you this information, rdgable at yahoo.com. It is no longer and should not have been from the beginning debatable as to the nature of how this crisis was going to be used on a global scale. With the Rockefeller Foundation and lockstep to the project for the new American century, to the history of the Communist Party in China, and the blueprint for the re-examining and redesigning of cities, states, provinces, countries, and the entire globe. Welcome to the new order, one run by the great and powerful almighty Xi Jinping and the Chinese dragon. I remember I had a friend when I was in film school, and I would talk about this kind of stuff a long time ago before I ever really became aware of what was going on. I had a radio show at the time. That's how I got started back in like 2010. And I talk about this stuff in school, and this girl, she said, do you want to have lunch? I thought she was asking me out. I never had a girlfriend. I I said, yeah, let's have lunch. And so I sat down with her, and she said, you know, my dad is a Shriner in Hawaii. He's a high-level Freemason. And and for the record, I don't think Freemasons are evil. I'm a Freemason, but thinks, you know, my, my, my dad thinks that the best thing to do she said, all the stuff that you're saying is stuff my dad's told me for years. She was older than I am, probably in her 30s now. And she said, my dad would tell me this kind of stuff and said, in the future, I'm going to need to learn Mandarin because that will be the dominant language and that this whole thing is laid out in a plan decades long to restructure the world to the model of China. Just some random person telling me her dad told her that because that's what he learned in the upper echelons of power. So... I think we probably should get used to the Chinese dragon overlord. Thanks for listening. I'm Ryan Gable. $35 gets you access to the archive with every broadcast after it airs. Download and stream it and a free book. Digital copies available or the books individually available. www.thesecretteachings.info rdgable at yahoo.com facebook.com forward slash thesecretteachings. Stay safe, stay informed. We'll talk to you on the next broadcast right here on The Fringe FM.